0: Dance for me, sweetheart, while I strum my guitar. You sure look pretty tonight. I just come up the road and I could use the company. Now that would suit me just fine. Now I've seen a lot of special things around this world. See them too? You can. What's that you ask? I have no name. I have no name. I am known only as a man. I am known only as a man. I'm a wanderer. I have no place or time. Just drifting on this lonely road of mine. And if you like, you can come along with me. But I promise you that I am not the man I used to be. But I promise you that I am not the man I used to be. But you and I we've seen
1: Welcome a to the Tom Depree Show. This is Missy Clifton. Sitting with it me today is Adarsh Mashru, Mike Johnson, and Chad Sturgill. We've let Tom Dupree take a little break today. Over to Your you, Mike. Is
2: this is Mark Broussard. Is I first learned about him, actually just a happenstance. Uh, I was attending UK and Maroon 5 had just kind of made, uh, started making it big. And Maroon 5 did a free concert at the Singletary Center when I was at UK. Mark Broussard opened up for them. I actually have the the live CD from the UK concert. It's, it's phenomenal. They came out, there were three guys. It was Mark, the bass player, and the drummer. The, the drum set was just this tiny little drum. It almost looked almost like a kid's drum set. And they, you know, they're in the on the stage, and everybody's like, who is this guy? And they sang a three-part harmony for about 30 seconds, and everybody just went nuts. Like That's that's how they opened. They didn't they didn't even open with the, the, the instruments. It was just the harmony, and they were phenomenal. I actually, I missed probably the first three songs of Maroon 5 because I was back there talking to Mark. Uh, they're just absolutely phenomenal. He's from Louisiana. Uh, he's 40 years old today. He's had a few big hits, um, but just absolutely a great singer uh, he's just this little guy with this massive voice and uh i don't know it was just it was just one of those uh, jewels that you just kind of stumble upon and uh I, I loved it and that's just what makes it so special where on
1: campus were they performing singletary center, singletary center. all yep. right yep. awesome been there a few times
2: so <clears throat> let's jump right into it um you know the markets this year uh obviously ever unless, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, the markets have been volatile, meaning they have gone down this year. Um, we've talked really all year. We've been talking about being bold, um, keeping, keeping your perspective, correct, looking long-term sticking to your long-term plan. Um, here recently, we've had some reprieve in the markets. Um, and right now, I'm talking generally markets. You would be at the S and P 500, the Nasdaq, the the large indices. Um, but when you look at companies too, specific companies, you've you've also had some reprieve there. Um, one of the things we've done this year, we, we've we've done what we've told our clients we would do. We're trying to take advantage of what markets give us. We don't control the markets. Um, We know markets go up, markets go down. But what you can control are certain aspects of your financial situation, be it your spending, be it um, what you invest in. uh, And then through education, research, research, discussion that also leads to emotional control and other things and the during bad markets you want to control what you can control um, knowing that there are things that are uncontrollable uh, but control what you can um, and for instance well um, you know first off you know Jason's Weig Zwag, I think I pronounced it wrong all along. I always say Zweig. I probably always will say Zweig. He should change his pronunciation to how he pronounces it. <laughs> Make Mike, it easier for Because you. Mike calls him Zweig. <laughs> um, but it, it, there was an article, and this was uh, about a month back, and it, we, we discussed it briefly at that time, but I, I want to go back and revisit it. And it's... it's it, 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 the title of it is What Smart Investors Do in Bear Markets. Since you can't predict the unpredictable, you should control the controllable. Um, the, one of the big takeaways on this is knowing that you can't time the market. Um, Adarsh, kind of give as kind of a 10,000-foot view, what we've seen in the markets this year. It's been a, a quick jump up here in the last three weeks. Uh, It's moved quickly. Um, Just kind of give 10,000 some context here, and then we'll get back into this.
3: Right. So when you refer to the market, you mean the indexes, the broader indexes, which are the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, Russell 2000, Dow Jones, of course. Um, And uh, towards the end of last year, we saw uh, most of these indexes peaking. I think it was towards the end of November of last year. And uh, they have gone down since then. Uh, The S&P dropped uh, close to uh, 24% or so from its high. The Nasdaq dropped over 30%. And uh, here in the last uh, two months, basically the middle of June is when these indexes bottomed. Now, we don't know if this is the absolute bottom or just a temporary bottom, but since the middle of June, we've seen quite a strong rally in all these indexes. As of uh, Monday, uh, the S&P was back up 18%. The Nasdaq was up 23%. So quite a strong rally. Um, And a lot of individual stocks uh, have rallied even more than that. Um, But most of them are still below where they were last year. If you look at some of the growth stocks, stocks which were extremely popular in uh, 2020, 2021, then they're not even close to where they were when they peaked. So um, it's been a very volatile first half, basically one of the v- worst first halves in history, where the market had such a big drop in the first six months. And uh, since then, we've seen s- somewhat of a recovery, but still unclear if, you know, if the worst is behind us.
2: When you're talking about market timing, that that's the idea that you're, getting in, getting out of the market. You you sell everything because you think the market's going to go down, then you get back in. Um, and a few of the points that he makes are uh, more of the rules of thumb that people look at. And, and these are kind of old sayings um, that people use as kind of their gauge of when to get out, when to get in. The thing you have to be very careful of is because it doesn't always work. If it always worked, it wouldn't work anymore because everybody would know that it would work. That's right. the that's the paradox of the market. So, one of the things uh, is talking about the VIX, uh, and that's the volatility index. Now, I'm pleased to announce uh, Chad Sturdle. This is his Dupree Financial Group uh, radio debut. Um, uh, Chad, you've you've had a lot of experience uh, in the investment business. Um, and uh, you have a, a big hand in our research efforts. Um, briefly, uh, talk about uh, just what the VIX is, just a, a 10, 15, 20 second, uh, what, what is the VIX
4: and uh, how it relates to things. Well, first of all, it's great to finally be on the air with you guys and have listened to the show long before coming on board here earlier this year and really feel that this is a great discussion that investors can really benefit from from really getting an idea of what's going on in the market what the main issues are just by listening to these conversations so pleased to be part of that so uh, to answer your question though on the vix it's a measure uh, it's it's considered the fear index that investors look at to see how much fear there is in the market it's a it's a measurement of the volatility of the s&p 500 index and it is historically will spike up to the the peak levels may be maybe different over time but generally you see a large move up it's the it's the magnitude of that move up really more so than the absolute level uh, that really tell you when you're at almost turning points with with fear right. in the market so that's that's something that has been a little bit more subdued over the last few years even when we've seen the volatility that we've seen Right. Going back to the start of the pandemic and continuing to today and and what people
2: a lot of times will try to do is it's called capitulation it's where everybody basically throws in the towel and says no moss all the selling you when when you have capitulation you'll have this massive down day or several big down days and some people look at that they they look for that uh, phenomenon to occur before they get back in, and the thing you have to be careful of. There's been a lot of instances where you haven't had capitulation, um, where you know, I like how how Zweig puts it: uh, bear markets sometimes end in a selling frenzy, but they often end in an indifferent stupor, <laughs>
3: and so it's just
2: uh, it's just kind of this fizzle out kind of thing in terms of the downturn.
3: Right, so there have been instances. So for example, he talks about 2009 uh, and he uses different metrics. You know, the VIX is one metric and then uh, there's also other indicators that, uh, you know, the put-call ratio, for example, that's another indicator that people use. But he talks about March of 2009 when, you know, stocks had dropped significantly. Uh, The drop started in 2007. From peak to trough, the S&P dropped, I think it was 47 or 48%. And, uh, you know, when you looked at valuations, valuations were only about 20% cheaper than average, historical average. Uh, So at that point, going by that metric, it didn't look like markets were actually that cheap, even though there was so much damage that had happened. Uh, And now we know 12 years later, 13 years later, that that was, you know, basically uh, the end of a severe bear market and this. The beginning of a, a very long bull market um so metrics like that you know whether it be valuation metrics fundamental metrics or even sentiment metrics uh yes sometimes they work so march of 2000 the vic spiked to 80 80 plus which was you know a significant spike um and uh if you go back to june when we saw this latest bottom again you know too soon to say But uh, the VIX barely made it to 45, I think. So, and it, you know, a lot of people at that time were saying that, okay, maybe we haven't seen capitulation because relative to 2020, the VIX has only gone to 45 and we need to see it go to 80. So, again, you know, as you said earlier that, you know, if, if these measures, indicators worked all the time, then, you know, everyone would know, everyone would be able to predict that, you know, this is it. So, yes, you cannot go by just, any individual metrics or measures. I think depending on your stage in life, you know, and as Mike said earlier, you you have to control and do things that you can control, which means that, you know, if you are young and if you've seen the market dropped drop 25%, then perhaps it's a good time to, you know, add or increase your contribution at that point versus, you know, what you regularly contribute.
2: Right. Well, and, think back, you know, I'm talking to the listeners, you know, think back in, in your investing history. Um, you know, you think back to the tech bubble, you think, uh, the, the, uh, financial crisis, uh, you think back in, you know, the, the Greece crisis, uh, there's been all these instances and some of these things people forgotten about. Everybody remembers the tech bubble. Everybody remembers the, 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 the great recession. Um, but, in between those big times, there's a lot, a lot of years where you have a lot of volatility. You'll have this short downdraft, and then it then it goes up. Markets are volatile. Um, what you can control is how you're invested. Your your if you want to think of a big picture, your allocation. Most basic stocks to bonds. What is your most basic allocation? But then you take it steps further and you look at the types of stocks, the types of bonds that you own. And it's really easy to let a portfolio, if you call it portfolio drift, Uh, the last 10 years, uh, if you let your portfolio just be on autopilot, you're going to have a lot more in tech coming into what happened this year. And you would have gotten hit harder this year because tech is what got hit hard. So control what you can control. Don't be... um, Uh, ambivalent uh, you know don't just let things happen on their own you have to take some action and you have to do research on what you own and to your point of the stage of life that you're in Um, in our uh, history we've typically seen volatile periods as a time to either add to existing positions or buy new things Um, and that's one of the things we've been doing this year Um, we've intentionally tried to increase the dividend yield of the portfolio um, because what's the
4: currently what's the PE of the market right now approximately it's forward PEs around 18 or so yeah Um, trailing is a little higher but that's uh, it's basically about historic about 10 year it's it's Consistent with its ten-year average, right now it's not necessarily too cheap or not too expensive. And so, if if you're invest, let's say you're you're getting
2: close to retirement or you're in retirement, and you're invested in things that are pure growth, uh, there's no income component to it. And if we're in a period where you don't have multiple expansion, meaning the market isn't willing to pay 20, 21 times PE for things. And if growth is somewhat capped, then if you're retired or taking distributions, there needs to be something that's paying you to take while you're taking the distributions, be it dividends or interest. Um, the 10 year treasury right now is yielding 2. Uh, 2.8. 2.8. 2.8. 2.8. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Um, and so when you're looking at the dividends, that's something that gets paid to you while you wait. Um, but then. Taking a step back even further, when you're looking out over the next 10, 15 plus years, you also need growth on top of that. And so that's why you pair dividends, growth, um, that's
3: total return. Right. So yes, depending on, you know, the stage of life you're in, uh, there's, ultimately, you also have to invest in things and have a portfolio that agrees with your own, uh, you know, mental, uh, I guess, tolerance levels of volatility, uh, which means that, you know, you cannot be overexposed to certain areas that are volatile, tech, for example, uh, and uh, at the same time, if you have a long, uh, many years to go before retirement, then you cannot go too conservative and, um, you know, just by, Conservative stocks, or have too much allocated to bonds, so it has to be a good mix.
1: How is the current Dupree, uh the, the Dupree model, with its core holdings? How does it reflect what you all are talking about? How does it provide that 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 vision for their their clients?
2: Well, it depends on the client. First off, uh, depends on if they're taking income, if they're younger, if they're looking more for growth. So the mix will be a little bit different because the stage of life is very important on how it's invested. Um, But many of the the companies we've talked about on here, um, you know, uh, be it things in the energy sector, um, in the financials, in more of the tech space, be it semiconductor or components like that, um, there this market has provided opportunities to buy some of these things. And so when you're looking at the broad indices or even more sector specific, when you have a sector that sells off, let's say 20%, you're going to have individual holdings that are the outliers, Um, that, that may sell off 25, 30 plus percent. When you're looking for opportunities, you have to look at the areas that maybe have gone down more than the overall average. Um, and, and then the, this is the key, try to determine if there's a reason for it, a good reason for it. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Um, and what we're trying to find are the ones that have gone down for no good reason. Um, and then buy those good companies and hold them for the long haul. Uh, so Long answer to your question, but it's basically, we're trying to increase the income and take advantage of what the market's given us, given our clients this year, uh, all in the context of knowing where our clients are in their stage of life. Uh, So, um,
1: Chad, you got anything to offer on that?
4: Always. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Sorry, go ahead, Chad. Well, sure. I think it's important to note that we, we look at total return. We not only look at the price we pay for a company and what to expand a little bit on what Mike was discussing about looking at the areas of the market or stocks that have gone down considerably, analyzing it, trying to determine if that's a, if a permanent impairment or a more temporary impairment. I think that's a, a good way to think about it as something shifted within the industry to where it is not as attractive as it was at one point? And there are, many a company that have suffered that fate and and many of you listeners can remember companies like eastman kodak mm-hmm. and a polaroid which polaroid was a member of the nifty 50 way back when mm-hmm. very large market cap and now the company the the name was purchased by jp morgan's private equity group out of bankruptcy and that's about all that's left so uh, the businesses industries can change uh, technology can can make businesses obsolete so we have to be on the lookout for that, but there can be temporary issues and geopolitical issues are certainly one we we look at closely, and that's been the source of some of our recent buys here because we view these these uh, the war in Ukraine, the tension in Taiwan and China uh, that uh, is what we consider to be more of a temporary impairment that uh, that gives us a great an attractive entry point so, so it's a
2: temporary event affecting a company that is in a business that doesn't look temporary, uh, by any way, shape or form. Um, so that's where you get the opportunities. Exactly.
1: Sorry for breaking in there so fast (laughs) when looking at my volume button. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show, Adarsh Mashru, Mike Johnson, and Chad Sturgill, part of the finance team here at Dupree. You can reach us at www.dupreefinancial.com. We'll be back.
0: Lights turn in a skyline, and my mind turns to you two hundred miles behind off to this roadside I wondering how this cup of coffee's gonna see me through. Has been our story, same sad song ever since the day, the day you came along. It's a lonely night in Georgia, and everything.
1: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Sitting here with Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, and Chad Sturgill. Let's get back to the discussion, guys.
2: One of the coolest things on this, when I saw him, uh, it was after they finished, I mean, the the crowd went wild and just wanting an encore. They didn't have anything ready for an encore. What he did, he walked out to the end of the stage, no microphone, and sang for about two minutes a cappella, no mic. The place was silent, just listening to him sing. It, it was it was so cool. This is Mark Broussard. Mark Broussard. And the, what's the band's name? Uh, it's just Mark Broussard. What's uh, the
1: Karencarencro? Corin- uh, the-
2: so that so he's he's that's from. That's where he is from in Louisiana. Okay. And that was his debut album, uh, Karen Crow. Uh, Karen Crow. Crow. Karen okay. Crow um, ah, okay.
1: Mark Broussard. B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D, if anybody wants to check yeah, it out. Phenomenal. Yeah. Very
2: nice. Very uh, nice. So I want I want your all's opinion on this. Um, so one of the big discussions this year has been recession, Um, are we in one are we going in one what how deep is it going to be a lot of the indicators that we're seeing right now um, there's there's mixed messaging in a lot of different things the markets have reacted positively and negatively uh, to these different indicators Um, but we're seeing like in in banks um, things that are uh, encouraging. Uh, what are your all thoughts about where we are in the economy, the recession, and uh, kind of where how that plays into uh,
3: portfolios? So, um, you know, when you put what's going on currently into context, uh, yes, you know, we had two negative. Uh, quarters of gdp growth which uh, is one definition of a recession where the economy is contracting but prior to that the economy overheated you know there was a lot of money that was put into the system uh, during covid during the pandemic uh, both fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus and that resulted in uh, an overheating of the economy and now the economy is just coming back to perhaps what you would call normal levels of growth. So this, despite having two negative quarters of GDP growth, things on the ground are really not that bad. Uh, when you look at what happened in 08, 09, that was a serious, what you would call a balance sheet recession, where uh, consumer balance sheets were extremely stretched. Businesses were not really in bad, bad shape, but they were impacted by uh, the weakness uh, of consumers um so relative to that this is you know not really uh, so far at least not a bad recession what the problem is is that inflation is gotten a little bit out of control uh well not a little bit it's gotten a lot out, out of control and in order to control that bring inflation down uh, the options that you know the policy makers have they're somewhat limited. Really, the only option is to curtail demand, which the Federal Reserve has been trying to do by raising interest rates and shrinking its balance sheet. Uh, so the hope is that the consumers will spend less or uh, you know, e- economic activity will decline and uh, inflation will start coming down. So I, I think there's the good news is that things are not as bad as say, oh eight oh nine or even during the pandemic, where I think the GDP contracted 30% in one quarter, which was offset by all the stimulus. Uh, but if inflation does not come under control relatively soon, then I think things could get worse.
2: The numbers I've <clears throat> been seeing, I mean, delinquency rates uh, have not really been moving up much. Um, we're talking about, you know, inflation, who does inflation primarily impact, you know, from a, from a bank standpoint, when they're trying to quantify loans, you know, it'd be subprime borrowers are the ones that are impacted the most by inflation. Um, and so you, you, from what I've seen, you have seen a little bit of an uptick in delinquencies on subprime, but as far as the prime and as they call it, super prime, uh, you've not seen much of an uptick there.
3: That's true. So, after the financial crisis, it took consumers a good seven, eight, nine years to rebuild their balance sheets. Uh, you know, home prices recovered since then, and homes are usually the biggest assets on the balance sheets of consumers. The stock market obviously has recovered since then. And uh, consumer uh, debts declined significantly for a number of years after the financial crisis, which means that consumers were paying off their debts, they were not borrowing more. And here recently, you've seen an uptick in, you know, consumer borrowing recently, meaning the last few years. Uh, So overall, unemployment is very low. Uh, It's one of the lowest it's been. uh, It's at historic lows, in fact. Um, It was also this low before the pandemic. And then after the during the pandemic, it went up and now it's back there. Uh, And consumer balance sheets are strong and businesses have a lot of cash on their balance sheets. So... um, I forgot what the question was. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, uh,
2: inflation affecting inflation is individual, and so what in what the inflation we're experiencing now that affects more harshly, right? Certain areas uh, or certain demographics, if you will, uh, and and um, socio economic uh, areas. I mean, right what's inflation for one person might not be as much for someone else
3: that's true yes so inflation impacts the uh, basically the the poorest uh, people the most and the reason for that is that they're uh, people who are living you know from pay- paycheck to paycheck or uh, you know don't really have savings because it really puts a dent into yeah. you know your uh, uh, your savings, if you do have savings, or uh, your b- budget gets extremely stretched because of inflation. So unless, you know, you have a b- big cushion where you have a certain income and you're able to put away a lot of that into savings or investments, if you're living hand to mouth, then that's, that's when inflation impacts you the most.
2: Right. And when, when we were in a period, you know, the last 10 years of declining or low interest rates, low interest rates are good for borrowers. Uh, if you got a mortgage at three percent, um, that's good. Uh, that, that's a good rate. Um, if you're a retiree, you're trying to earn interest on fixed income or uh, on CDs, whatever it may be. Everybody talks about your have, you know, having. The, the Fed has been trying to fight deflation. Um, but where you've had a massive inflation in the last 10 years has been the cost of retirement, what it costs to truly retire uh, because interest rates being low, um, it, it skewed everything. It skewed the numbers. You needed a lot more to produce a certain income stream than you did when interest rates were high. Um, so every environment you have people that are affected more than others um and right now uh it's uh, especially like you said uh lower income um and that you know you feel the pinch at the pump a lot more uh verse you know or or loaves of bread wh- whatever you know food the basics uh that puts a big dent in the budget each month um but uh, One of the things we were talking about in the previous segment was trying to control areas that you can control. Um, A lot of people have flexibility in their budget. Um, A lot don't. Um, But generally, as you're getting closer to retirement, you have a little more flexibility. There are areas you can spend more or less on in your budget. Um, And use this as an opportunity to do an audit on your spending. Um, so it, a, it'll make you feel better. You know exactly what you're spending money on. If you don't have a good grasp of your household budget, um, know what you're spending money on, do an audit, see if there's areas you can save or redirect those dollars into something, uh, be it more useful, um, could be, you know, putting more back for savings, uh, investing, whatever it may be. But that—that's one area that you can control. Um, anyway, uh, back to you know what we're talking about on the recession. Uh, certain areas that uh, are encouraging uh, the Fed this year raising rates. Uh, there's question now as to what the Fed's going to do moving forward, um, and what what's the market seeing right now uh, in terms of what the Fed's going to do.
4: Well, they—they're the. They're, projections that the Fed releases that's anonymous by the Board of Governors members that's done on a quarterly basis. It's called, uh, for, for shorthand, is the dot plot, which shows what they think inflation, GDP growth, etc., uh, are going to be over the next year, two years, and then long term. Uh, and that number typically is very disconnected with reality. And we look a little bit more closely at what the markets are pricing in. They trade futures contracts. They trade Trade everything basically. If they can get a a contract built around it, they will trade it. That's the case with inflation expectations, and the expectations being priced into the market now for about a half a percent increase at this next Fed meeting at the end of September. A quarter point increases after that through the end of the year, expected to be somewhere around have a Fed funds rate of between three and three and a half percent by the end of the year. And the Fed minutes that came out yesterday indicate that the the Fed officials are going to be more data dependent on how aggressively they're going to raise rates. So really, it could look one way right now, but mid-September, if some data comes out, shows inflation still pesky, they might raise it more than we're pricing in right now. So you really just have to be able to adjust your expectations. But the, in general, the direction is, is higher rates. And I did want to touch on one thing, whether we're in a recession or not. That was, I think, the origin of the question we started this segment. I think that it... You've answered part of it where it depends on what part of the, of the curve you're on. Are you able to save? Are you spending everything you make? I mean, it's really tough right now. Uh, the other issue is wages. We've seen wages go up, but they haven't gone up as high as the cost of living has gone up. The energy prices, your cost to fill up your vehicle is, is what everybody talks about because it's been so high to see gas go up that much. But now we're seeing it in rent. We're seeing it in other you know, utilities. We're seeing it in other other areas, and some of that is adjustments made to uh, pay higher wages to the employees in those in those industries. But what I think is is uh, at risk here is that the spending that is set by the companies, what they decide they're going to spend on capital expenditures, on trying to launch new products, etc., is driven a lot by what they see today. And right now, there's uh, the consumer confidence levels are still high. The, uh, I mean, they're they're off their lows anyway. They're 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 not uh, uh, terrible. And then you have uh, the manufacturing and service indices that uh, are good leading indicators. And those are both in still in growth mode, albeit you know, very slow growth. But those are positive, so that will uh, buoy these um, CFOs of these public companies and private companies to spend more next year. So I think that's something we need to continue to pay attention to. Uh, really, I would say we've, we are teetering potentially on the edge of a recession, but, uh, we, it may be mild, we may not actually fall into one, uh, but it just depends on what we see the next few, few months really.
3: Yeah. And I, I think to, you know, bring this back to investing, uh, you know, a recession or a bad market does not have to be a bad thing necessarily. Uh, Chad had sent me, or both of us a quote earlier by Einstein, I think something about how when there's a problem, there's also an opportunity. Um, and that that is absolutely true. So if you're young and if you're still making contributions, then you should welcome bad markets because you can buy more for lower prices and if if you're older and if you're in retirement, uh, you can still take advantage of uh, bad markets because you can, you know, rebalance your portfolios. If you have cash or bonds, then you can, you know, come out of those and buy more stocks at lower prices. So there's there's always opportunity. And, uh, uh, you know, money is really made in bear markets, not in bull markets, uh, because that's when valuations are cheap. That's when sentiment is negative. That's when, you know, people throw out, the bad stocks along with uh, the good stocks along with the bad stocks so so you know as uncomfortable as it is as scary as it is uh, you know it's these are times to try to figure out you know how best to take advantage of uh, bear markets
4: and you have to accept that you're not going to time it perfectly you're not going to get the absolute lowest price possible but what you are going to do is you're going to look back if you buy something now and even if it if it's not the bottom you're going to look back five or ten years from now and be very happy with that. You'll, you'll question why you didn't purchase more mm-hmm. uh, because of all these emotions you're feeling right now with, uh, with fear in the market, uh, that, uh, that those will all be long gone. And I think that's what you have to, to ask yourself is if I bought this, today? Am I happy with the price? Do I think the prospects of this company over the next five to 10 years is, is worth the risk? Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite quotes in investing is a Ben Graham quote from one of his books. Uh, it's in the short run, the market is a voting mechanism. And in the long run, it's a voting machine. So uh, machine. I think I mixed the uh, mixed the uh, machine and, and mechanisms <laughs> there. But still, the, the you, you get rewarded for looking long-term and the, to Adarsh's point, you make your money when you buy in the bear market. That's when you get the opportunity to pay an attractive price for things. So that's, you, you'll see us be more active in, in times when the market is down because we see more opportunity there than when mm-hmm. when the market's going up 25% and everything's expensive. I had an
2: interesting conversation uh, a couple weeks ago um, wasn't a client wasn't really a prospect it was just a conversation um but it, it was it was getting to this person was um retirement age and the, the the conversation was was moving towards returns um and the question was essentially how are you doing this year uh in term with your returns on the portfolio. Um, and this this was interesting i want to give the listeners some insight is into uh deceptive deceptive practices and wording that's out there right now um it was going to you know what the returns are uh, as well in this was this person talking in this, in this other portfolio, the return has been X, which is more than what your return has been uh, over the last five years. Um, and this is what's interesting. I asked, how is it done this year? And it was down more than what the S&P 500 was down this year. So what, what we got to talking about was the stage of life, That this person was in. Um, Even if the average return over this five-year period was slightly higher in this other approach, this person is starting to take distributions from their portfolio. Volatility makes a big difference when you throw in that withdrawal rate. It's it's called sequence of return risk. And it's not, you, you cannot look at an average return over an X Year time frame, you have to look at how those returns come. Uh, a fi- if it's if it's been an average seven percent and with very little fluctuation, you know if it's you know five and a half, six and a half, you know, and returns never come that way. If there's if not much volatility there, um, very different outcome than if you have positive twenty, negative twenty five positive 15, positive 15. When you throw in that withdrawal rate, that changes the equation. You cannot look at just a long-term average. You have to look at, is it invested properly for the stage you're in in your life? Uh, Are you taking distributions? Are you taking withdrawals? Um, Is this something that's for Uh, beneficiaries for next generation. Are you in your thirties? All these different things that have, you have different components as to what you have and how it's invested. Um, Because the time horizon is different because the mechanic, your, your life, your situation is different. Um, So be very careful of how people word things out there right now. Uh, Well, the average return has been this. Okay. But How's it done in a down market? Uh, what's, the, what's the volatility of the portfolio? And so it's just a, a word of caution um, and, you know, look for opportunities. It's all about what the approach is. What is the investment approach? You know, historical returns, all that, it's backward looking. You have to be able to believe in the investment approach. Uh, you have to trust the person or the firm that you're working with. Um, you, you have to trust that they have your best interest, that they're doing their job, that they're working, um, and that they're going to keep your best interests at heart. Um, so it's not just about an average, it's about the approach and it's about looking forward from where you are today and how that approach fits with your
4: life. Mike, are they asking questions and listening to your answers? I mean, really listening to the answers, or are they just giving you a pitch?
2: Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and this person, when we first started talking, it was like talking to a brick wall, but then came around, and it was a good conversation.
1: You've been listening to Dupree, Tom Dupree show with the Finance Guys. Give us a ring if you'd like us to take a look at your portfolio. 859-233-0400. See you later.